This podcast is brought to you by LMU Munich. Okay, well, um, th thank you very much for organizing this conference. I think it's an important topic, and I'm very glad to be here. So my um, title is Limits in Testing the Multiverse, and I've been looking at limits in cosmology, testing in cosmology for th 35 years. So the idea of a multiverse, an ensemble of universes or of universe domains has received increasing attention. Separate places, Vilenkin, Lindy, Guth, separate times, Smolin and a whole variety of cyclic universes, the Everett quantum multi-universe, other branches of the wave function, the cosmic landscape of string theory embedded in chaotic cosmology and totally disjoint, which Shyama and Tegmark have proposed. Um, so, for instance, a typical book, Martin Rees, Our Cosmic Habitat, Rees explores the notion that our universe is just a part of a vast multiverse or ensemble of universes. In most of the other universes are lifeless. What we call the laws of nature would then be no more than local bylaws imposed in the aftermath of our own Big Bang. In this scenario, our cosmic habitat would be a special, possibly unique universe where the prevailing laws of physics allowed life to emerge. And now, this is Max Tegmark, Scientific American. Parallel universes, not just a staple of science fiction, other universes are a direct implication of cosmological observations. Now, at this point, I start having problems with what is going on. Uh, I've spoken to Max about this, and he says this was the editor who said this. It wasn't what he said. <laughs> Now, there are nine types of multiverse according to Brian Greene in his book, The Hidden Reality. Uh, invisible parts of our own universe, chaotic inflation, brain worlds, cyclic universes, the landscape of string theory, branches of the quantum mechanics wave function, holographic projections, computer simulations, and all that can exist must exist, the grandest of all multiverses. So there are five different types. Now, the first and most uh, obviously significant point is they can't all be true because they conflict with each other. So if you're a multiverse advocate, you've got to choose which of these you're going to be supporting. And of course, sorry, can, uh, Carla, could you just move your head slightly? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, the 10th possibility is none of the above. There's just one universe. And so that is the 10th possibility. Um, now, the motivation, it's seen as a result by some of a philosophical stance underlying physics. Everything that can happen, happens. All that is possible is compulsory. And at a certain level, I have a sympathy with this. It's a kind of logical outcome of the Feynman path integral approach to quantum physics. And quite a number of people have said that. Second, it's the claim to the inevitable outcome of the physical originating process that generate our own universe, for instance, an outcome of the chaotic inflationary scenario. And thirdly, it's proposed in particular as an explanation for why our universe appears to be fine-tuned for life and consciousness, as some of those quotes have already made clear. Now, the key observational point is that the domains considered are beyond the particle horizon and therefore unobservable. This is a diagram of our past light cone by Mark Whittle from Virginia. And this is with real distance and real time. And the world lines of galaxies, this is for simplicity in Einstein, the city of the universe diverge from us as AT to the two-thirds. So those are different um, galaxies. This is where we are here and now. This age of the universe is just under 14 billion years. Our past light cone goes down and reaches a maximum and then goes back in, as, as you can see there. And um, this galaxy, for instance, was born there. It went up there. At this instant, it sent out light, which we receive up here at the instant, which is conventionally called here and now. 
Now, the problem with this is you can't see the causal connectivity very clearly. Everything is kind of all scrunched up at the bottom there. So what we do, being relativists, we go to Roger Penrose's conformal diagrams. This is exactly the space-time situation. But what we've done is we've gone to co-moving distance instead of uh, physical distance, and we've gone to conformal time instead of proper time. And that means that the light cones are now at 45 degrees, which means you can look at causal structure extremely clearly. It has the disadvantage that distances are grossly misrepresented, times are grossly misrepresented, but the payoff is you can see the causal structure. Now, our past light cone is now a light cone, uh, a cone at 45 degrees, and the world lines of galaxies are now vertical world lines. So that galaxy was born down there, it went up there and emitted light there, which we receive here. Now, the first and most important point here, which was known a long time ago, and Wolfgang Rindler wrote a beautiful paper in 57, where this past light cone hits the Big Bang, this is the start of the universe in the standard cosmology. It's where everything began. There was no space, there was no time, there was nothing before them. So this is the furthest out that you can interact with in any causal way. If you think of something out there, we don't have any causal interaction with it at any time up and until here. Now, I must emphasize here, Supposing we were to say, I take a long-term view of cosmology, I'm going to set up a database, I'm going to keep data for